saints, in the name of Jesus Christ, my name is Mweketi Mshakwana, um, and I would be sharing the word of God with you. It's a very serious time of crisis in our nation and across the globe. Um, but however, we thank God for the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this is an opportunity for me to encourage you with the word of God and specifically to encourage you with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what I'm going to talk to you about um, today um, is that I'm going to talk to you about the topic of the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That the fact that Morena Jesu um, took our place, he stood in our stead, he died for our own transgressions and sins. And I'm going to explore that topic from a biblical standpoint so that we are able to see how the sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ obtained salvation, obtained redemption for us. In our scriptures, we are going to read from Isaiah 53, verse 6, and also 1 Peter, chapter 3, verse 18. In Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 6, the Bible reads like this. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In First Peter chapter 3 verse 18, the Bible reads thus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in spirit. So this is our topic, and it's derived from these two specific scriptures. And in Isaiah 53, verse 6, just the last part of the verse, it says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So upon Jesus, God placed our sins, and Jesus served as a sacrifice to be offered for our own sins. And so, it was the obedience of Christ, it was the obedience, submission, and the punishment of Christ that our salvation was achieved. And so, these are the three things that I would like to explore given the subject. The obedience of Christ, the punishment of Christ, and the assurance of our salvation. The fact that through what Jesus had accomplished, through the work that was finished at the cross in Calvary, we obtain eternal redemption. Christ, by living a perfect life of obedience and suffering, and the penalty, suffering the penalty of sin, restored a broken relationship that existed between man and his maker. He did that as a substitute, that is, he took our place. He was our representative. He was our second Adam. This is how God ensured that justice was fulfilled whilst at the, he at the same, while God at the same time offered mercy and, and grace, lest he be accused of being unjust. So we look at the three proposed views that speak about how Christ, as a substitute, opened a way of salvation for us. 
When it comes to the obedience of Christ, we can see from a biblical standpoint in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, we examine the obedience of Christ. We examine the perfect obedience of Christ. We examine how Christ lived his life such that he pleased the Lord, he pleased God. In Matthew 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Do not think that I have come, so says Jesus, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come to, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So we can see from scripture that when he came into this world, he came in order to obey the law of God. He came as the one who had an attitude of pleasing God, and so he yielded himself to all the commands of God's law. So Christ came into this world to fulfill the law and not to do away with it. Christ came into this world not to undermine and to underestimate the law of God, but to actually fulfill God's holy law. His attitude towards the law was not of someone who doesn't find pleasure in it. He understood that God is the one who gave out the law. He understood that the law was supposed to be obeyed. And so he assured everyone, by doing this, he assured everyone, even those who were accusing him of disobedience, that his intention was to yield to every aspect of the law. So when the Son of Man came into this world, was not to disregard the Sabbath. When the Son of Man came into this world, was not to disregard the Ten Commandments. He came not to do away with the law of God, but to actually fulfill it. In Romans chapter 10, again we are told of the same idea that Jesus, through Jesus, we have obtained a righteousness that does not come by the law, but that comes through Christ. By union with the one who perfected the law. By union with the one who obeyed the law to the fullest. So in Romans chapter 10 verse 4, the Bible reads thus, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. That word end does not mean it is the cessation of the operation of God's law. It is not the stopping of the law of God. It is actually the completion of it. It is actually the fulfillment of it. So when the Bible says for Christ is the end, it says for Christ is the completion. Christ is the fulfillment of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So Jesus fulfilled and obeyed and completed the law on behalf of those who shall then believe in his own righteousness. So it is not the total cessation of the operation of the law. It is not the end of the law, for it is the eternal law of God by which he holds men accountable. So for those in Christ, Christ is the fulfillment. Christ is the perfection. He is the perfecter of the law, and he is the perfection of the law. 
So we don't obtain righteousness through obedience towards the law of God, but by believing in Christ, who is the perfecter of the law, who is the fulfillment of the law, who is the perfection of the law. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who trusts in him, to everyone who believes in him, to everyone who rests his faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. We move to the second aspect of how Jesus accomplished salvation for us by being a sacrifice on our behalf, by being the one who stood in our stead. We come to the whole issue of how Christ was punished, not for his own sins, but he was punished for the sins of others, for the sins of unjust and ungodly people. Christ was punished. So the scriptures in Matthew chapter 20, 27 to 20, uh, chapter 27 verse 26, we read about how a criminal was released, a, a transgressor of the law of God was released so that the one who is innocent, the one who is perfectly righteous was damned. The Bible says then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged, scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. So Barabbas was released by Pontius Pilate, but Jesus was damned. The sinless lamb of God was condemned. The perfect one who perfectly obeys the law of God was punished. And such was his punishment that even the one who was a criminal was immediately released even though the son of the living God, the one who is holy from birth, was punished. So a true transgressor and a criminal, a criminal was set free whilst Christ, the innocent lamb, was condemned. So in like manner, Christ's condemnation secured our release from all the demands of the law and its penalty since he was punished in, on our behalf. So such is the graciousness of God, such is the salvation of God that those who were sinning against the law of God, or those who are categorically be highly damned. And again in First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, the Bible speaks about the punishment of Christ, how he bore our own sins, much like as in Isaiah, where we read when we started. With this teaching, in Isaiah 53 verse 6, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his way. And the Lord, it was God's design. It was the Lord's design that the Son be punished. It was God's intention. It was God's resolve. God was punishing his own son for the liberty, for the freedom, for the salvation of those whom he shall call his. 
And so it says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Similarly, we get a, same, a similar expression from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. The Bible says, he himself bore our own sins in his own body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So when Christ was punished, when Christ was crucified, when Christ was damned, it was that we may be free from the dominion and control of sin, that we might live to righteousness. We are called to live holy lives because we have been set free from the dominion and control of sin. And so the Bible says by his wounds we have been healed. It means that we have been made whole. It means that we have been saved. For our salvation is holistic in the person of Jesus Christ. And so he himself bore our own sin in his body, in his own body at the cross. On the tree in Calvary, the son of the living God, the, the one who from birth was called a holy child, the, the one who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, the one whom the Lord says, I have prepared a body. And so it is this body that was bruised. It is this body that was nailed. It is this body that was crucified at the cross in Calvary. It was the body of the son of the living God. So he himself bore our own sins in his body at the cross in Calvary. That we might die to sin. That there might be an end of control. An end of enslavement to sin, that we may live in perfect harmony, in righteousness with the Lord, with, in, in God Almighty. So he took upon himself all our faults. He took upon himself all our transgressions. He took upon himself all our sins and our weaknesses. It was his body that was torn. It was his body that bore pain and suffering at the cross in Calvary. It was the body of the holy and all perfect one that suffered damnation that was bruised at the cross in Calvary. And again, we find an expression in Philippians chapter 2 of the extent to which the Son of God, the Son of God obeyed the law of God such to the extent that he was crucified at the cross in Calvary and he died a death that we're supposed to die. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is radical obedience. This is perfect obedience. This is the son's obedience. This is the, 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 the obedience from the Holy One of God. And so the Bible says he humbled himself. Such is the expression of true humility. Such is the expression of humility that is motivated by God himself. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death 
upon the cross in Calvary. Not only did Jesus live a perfect life of obedience, he lived to the extent of dying to fully obey all the demands of God's law. He fulfilled all that was necessary to achieve or to obtain our own salvation, our own redemption, our own reconciliation. So that at the end of the day, we may say we are reconciled with God. We have been restored. We can call ourselves the children of the almighty God because we have been bought by his own precious blood. We have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb of God. Our sins are cleansed. Our sins are washed away. We are forgiven, not by our own efforts, but in Christ Jesus, we have obtained forgiveness of sin. In Christ Jesus, we have obtained redemption. In Christ Jesus, we have been ransomed. We have been released from all the demands of the Lord and we have been freed from, the, from sin's damnation. For the Bible says, indeed, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So when he became sin, the Bible says he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So when he became sin, all the fullness of God's anger fell upon him and he was consumed by him to the point of dying at the cross in Calvary. All the anger of God all the wrath of God fell upon the Son of God, the, the perfect sacrifice that was to pacify God's anger against us because we have sinned against the Almighty God. So such was his punishment. He himself bore our own sins at the cross in Calvary. And lastly, we will deal with the whole issue of the assurance of our own salvation. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to be punished? Why did Jesus live a life of perfection? Why did Jesus yield to the law of God to the point of being penalized because of our own sins? It was to secure our own salvation. It was to reconcile us with God. For the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So God devised a plan. God devised a plan of salvation. It was not to be accomplished by any other means, but through his son, Jesus Christ, whom he brought into this world to be condemned for our own sins and transgressions. And so when it comes to the assurance of our salvation, it is not based on something that we, we do. It is not because of our own righteousness that we are saved. It is not because of what we are capable of doing that we are saved. It is all because of all Jesus has accomplished at the cross in Calvary. The Son of God opened a way of salvation for mankind. The Son of God dismantled the powers of darkness. The Son of God was damned in our stead. It 
to achieve our own salvation and redemption. And so in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, in him we have redemption. Saints, it is only in Christ that we obtain redemption. It is only in Christ that we are bought back. It is only in Christ that we are reconciled. And so the Bible says, in him we have obtained redemption through his own blood. When the blood of Christ gushed out at the cross in Calvary, it was to secure our own salvation. It was to cleanse. It was to remit. It was to remove our own sins. So the Bible says in him we have redemption through his own blood. The precious blood of the lamb. The blood that Christ better things than the blood of Abel. It speaks blessings on, on behalf of the children of God. It speaks blessings on behalf of those who have trusted in the substitute. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespassing of our trespasses, we can be assured that by trusting, by believing, by placing our faith on the substitute, by placing our faith on the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that we can be forgiven by God. And so the Bible says in him, we have redemption through his own blood. He has secured our salvation. He has restored us to God. The one mediator between God and man, the person, Jesus Christ, has reconciled us, has brought us back into a union with the almighty God. And so the... In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches, to the riches of his own grace. It was by grace, it was grace that nailed Christ at the cross. It was grace that condemned Christ at the cross. It was grace that led to the son of man being bruised at the cross. It was grace that secured our own salvation. And so the Bible says it is because of the riches of his own grace. For we are saved indeed as in Ephesians chapter 2 it says we are saved by grace and that is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. We don't earn our salvation. We don't work our way through salvation. We obtain this salvation by having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. By faith alone, we are declared righteous before God. By faith alone, we are accepted into God's kingdom. By faith alone, we are accepted to be his own, his own people in a peculiar nation. It was because of the richness of God's grace. God's grace is so rich that his own son had to come into this corrupt world, into this fallen world, and he had to die on behalf of the unjust people, unrighteous people, ungodly people. And again, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible states almost the same idea. It communicates to us. It says, in whom we have redemption. It is only by union with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is only by being one with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul says, he 
who is united, who is jointed with the Lord, is one with the Lord. He took our own trespasses and sin. He was condemned on our own behalf, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In Christ Jesus, we are forgiven. In Christ Jesus, we are eternally forgiven. And God remembers our sins no more. So such is the, is the substitute of the Son of God. That the Lord himself laid on him the iniquity of us all. That for, for Christ... For Christ also suffered for sins, the righteous for the unjust people, that he might be brought, that, that he might bring us to God. And so God has accomplished his divine purposes by the sacrifice. God has accomplished his own divine purposes by Christ's death at the cross in Calvary. And such a death was for our own benefit, was for our own salvation. And so we can be saved, we, we can be assured of our own salvation, that through the merit of Jesus, through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross, we are assured entrance into God's kingdom. We are accepted into the family of God because of all that his son has accomplished at the cross by his life, by his death, and by his resurrection, that we can receive eternal life by believing in him. And so such is the beauty of the gospel. Such is the beauty of the, these treasures of truth that are a comfort to us. Even in times of trouble, we, we are assured salvation in the sacrifice that was made by God's son. That our comfort is not in the things of the world. That our comfort is in Christ, is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through it we have obtained victory from sin. Through it we have obtained victory or even over death itself. For we have passed from death to life because of all that Jesus has accomplished on the cross. And so saints, we need to appreciate we need to embrace this truth. We need to find comfort in this truth, in knowing that this salvation was secured for us, in knowing that eternal life, in knowing all the blessings of the covenant, of the new covenant, are obtained through believing in God's Son. So as you are about to pray, I hope that you will find comfort for your soul even during this trouble. You will find comfort for your soul in the fact that Jesus, God's son, died for you, died in your place. Amen.